This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that have tuned in to watch at this time, and especially those who may have been tuned in for the very first time. Maybe you were kind of surfing, you know, on the television and you came across our program, I have people tell that quite frequently. Please stay tuned today. We're going to be talking about life on the other side. Life on the other side. Now, today on our telecast, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. I emphasize that it is free. We do not ask for money for anything on getting to know your Bible. It's free. And in order that you might know how you can obtain this free course, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Today we're going to be talking about life on the other side. Life on the other side. And, and I have chosen a text that I'd like to read today. And it comes out of the 16th chapter of Luke's Gospel, beginning in the 19th verse. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." It seems to be the case that people are very inquisitive about those things that are in the realm of the unknown. Not only is that true about this life, it's true about the life which is to come. As a matter of fact, our curiosity about the unknown is intensified when we begin to think about the other side of life. The text that I have just read tells us about two men. One is called a certain rich man that was clothed in purple, fine linen. He was faring sumptuously every day. And then this other man was named Lazarus, and he was a beggar. And he was full of sores. He he had some sores on his body, 
and he was laid at the gate of the rich man. He just wanted crumbs that would fall off the rich man's table. But then the fact is, both of the men died. The beggar died. The rich man died. And the beggar was carried by angels into the bosom of Abraham. And it tells us that the rich man died also, and, and he was buried. But when he died, he lift up his eyes in torments, in Hades. And, and Lazarus, he saw Abraham afar off, and he saw Lazarus in his bosom. And that's when he prayed, and he said, Father, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Th th this story in Luke chapter 16 that continues down through verse 31, gives us a glimpse of life on the other side. So what we would like to do today on getting to know your Bible is try to pull the curtain back and find some lessons that we can learn from this story about this rich man and about Lazarus. Now, one of the things that we learn from this story is that death is not a respecter of persons. The rich man died, the poor man died. And the fact is, all men die. The rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, the civilized, the uneducated, the uncivilized people. All people die. And the reason is that death is not a respecter of persons. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, It is appointed unto a man once to die. And then all people are going to die, whether we like it or not, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we like to think about it or not, one day we're going to die. Some die in their old age. Some die quite young. But the fact is, it's appointed unto a man once to die. You just can't escape it. Uh, we cannot escape death with, with righteousness. Even righteous people die. We cannot escape death if we're highly educated. Even highly educated people die. A person may be strong. And they may have physical strength. But even physically strong people also die. The rich die. The poor die. Death is no respecter of persons. But a second lesson we learn from this story is that there indeed is life after death. Now notice the story again. The rich man died, and he lifted up his eyes, and he was in torments, and he was in Hades, and he saw Abraham, and he saw Lazarus, so he was still alive. And then Lazarus, we're told, was carried by angels to the bosom of Abraham. So both of the men were still alive. There is life after death. Men do not cease to exist when they die. And all men, both the savage, the civilized, educated and the uneducated, will continue to live. And all men that have ever lived or that, or that live or ever will live have some anticipation of life beyond the grave. In the Old Testament, there are a number of passages of Scripture that suggest that. 
For example, in Genesis, the 35th chapter in verse 18, speaking of one of the women of the Old Testament, a matriarch, it is said, while her soul was a departing, for she died. Her soul was departing from her body, and she died. Solomon, in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, said, man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be, be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was in the Spirit unto God who gave it. You see, when we die, our body is buried in the dust of the earth, and our spirit returns into the care and the keeping of God. That prompted the psalmist to say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And then he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's in verse number 6. David had a child to die, an infant. And David took off the sackcloth that was, would be a sign of his mourning. And David said, I shall go to him. He shall not come back to me. See, David recognized that his child was still alive somewhere, somewhere in the realm of the disembodied spirits, and that the child was not coming back to him, but someday David could go to be with that child. In the Old Testament, in the 14th chapter of Job, in the 14th verse, this question is asked, if a man dies, will he live again? Will he live again? In Job chapter 19, verse 25 and 26, Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And we sing a song, my re I know that my Redeemer lives, and Jesus lives. Jesus is alive. And then in uh, the New Testament, we have numerous passages that teach that there is life after death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yet shall he live. Jesus in John 14 is trying to comfort his disciples. He explained to them that he was going away and they were very sorrowful. And he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and in verse number one, for we know, now this is something about which Paul was absolutely certain. He said, this is what we know. For we know that if our, this earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, as well as verse 8, Paul said to be absent from the Lord is to be present in the body. To be absent from the body is to be at home or present with the Lord. Paul recognized that when we leave this body, the soul leaves this body, the child of God goes home to be with the Lord. No doubt that's the reason the psalmist said in Psalms 116 and verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord 
is the death of his saints because at death there is that home going. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 2, Paul said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. And, and we have no idea who he may have been talking about. He could have been referring to himself. He may have been referring to the time he was left for dead after stoning. But in parentheses, he said, whether in the body or out of the body, I know not, God knows, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. To the Jewish mind, there were three heavens. Up, uh, the atmosphere surrounding the earth would be one heaven. Up where the, the sun, moon, and the stars are, and where the birds fly would be another heaven. And then where God is is the third heaven. And this person that he had reference to was caught up into the third heaven. And then again he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I know not, God knows. And this one was caught up into paradise. The word paradise means pleasure garden. And so he was caught up into paradise. And he heard unspeakable things which is not lawful for a man to utter. There are a lot of things that we can learn from those few little verses. But here's one of them. My existence does not depend upon whether I'm in the body or out of the body. If I'm in the body, I exist. If I'm out of the body, I'm still alive. You see, there is life after death. In John 5, 28 and 29, Jesus said, The hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have do done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Life after death. And we may lie in the dust of the earth for centuries. There may be cities that be erected and built over our burying place. That there may be a superhighway built over my grave. But just as surely as we are alive right now, it's just that certain that one day when the Lord comes, there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. And those that have been died in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to go home to be with him forever and forever. Life after death. That's one of the things we learn from this story about the rich man and Lazarus. Death is no respect of persons. There is life after death. But here's another lesson we learn from this story about the other side of life. Prayer is not a substitute for obeying God. Oh, this rich man did some praying. Listen to him. He, he said, he prayed that, 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 that God would have mercy on him. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm tormented. And then he prayed for his Brothers, send him to my father's house. I beg you, you send him to my father's house. I've got five brothers. They're on their way to torment too. And I want him to go and warn my brothers. And if he would go warn my brothers, he said they would repent. But the Lord told him if they would not hear Moses and the prophets, they wouldn't hear someone if they rose from the dead. So here we learn that you can't pray your way out of torment. Prayer is not a substitute for obeying God. Oh, this man was praying for himself. Have mercy on me, Lord. This man was praying for his brother. Send Lazarus that he may go and preach to my brothers. Prayer is powerful. 
Our Lord said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 7 and verse 7. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22, Jesus said, Whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So prayer is powerful. Absolutely. But it's not going to take the place of obeying God. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and do not the things that I say. In Matthew 7 and 21, he said, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, you can call him Lord if you want to, but if you're not obeying him, that you're, you're not going to be saved. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9, Solomon said, Whoso turneth his ear away from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination unto the Lord. We may, turn, we may pray to God, but if we're not listening to God, why would we think God would want to listen to us? He's not going to listen to us. Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, that's, that verse is in the Old Testament. And, and I've heard you say that we're not living under the Old Testament. Now, that's exactly right. But this Old Testament principle taught in Proverbs chapter 28 and 9, that whosoever turns his ear away from hearing the law, his prayers and abomination is also taught in the New Testament. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God, if a man doesn't have his heart turned toward God, God's not going to listen to that man when he prays. Here's a man that was praying to God in torment. But the lesson is prayer is not a substitute from doing what God said. In my life as a gospel preacher, I've heard some powerful prayers prayed by people. I've seen people pray over dead relatives and, 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 and thank God for them and ask God to bless them and to be with them in the future as they mourn the loss of a loved one. I've seen parents pray over their children that were seriously ill. I've heard some powerful praying in my time. But I'll tell you, there's some powerful praying going on in torment right now. People who are weeping and gnashing their teeth because they learn prayer is not a substitute for obeying God. Another lesson we learn is that it's too late to turn to God after you die. This man begged for mercy, but no mercy was given. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Here was a man who showed very little mercy to a beggar, laying at his gate, full of sores, hungry, sick. There's no indication he showed any mercy to him. But now he's turning to God, asking him for mercy. The day of mercy and the day of grace was past. Folks, that's the reason that we need to heed the Word of God and heed it now. In Hebrews, the second chapter, in verse number 2, the Bible says, Let's take heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should drift away from them. We need to take heed to the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, let me give you some reasons that I would suggest we do that. And one of the reasons that we ought to take heed to the word of our Lord is because he is our Lord. Another reason we should take heed to his word is because 
He is the one through whom God speaks to man today. Hebrews chapter 1 and in verse 1. We ought to take heed to his word because he is the one who has been appointed heir of all things. We ought to take heed to his word because he is the one through whom he made the worlds. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 2. We should take heed to his word because he is the brightness of his glory and he is the express, express image of his person. We ought to take heed to the word of Jesus Christ because he upholds all things through the word of his power, but through his powerful word. We ought to take heed to his word because he is the one who purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we ought to take heed to the word of Jesus Christ because he is more uh, exalted, more than, than the angels. He is better than the angels. And we ought to take heed to his word because he has by inheritance, uh, inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. We ought to take heed to the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man learned a hard lesson that it's too late to turn to God after you die. I'm speaking to some soul right now who's, who knows what they need to do to be saved. You, you've studied the Bible enough on your own to know what to do to be saved. If you don't know what to do to be saved, my, may I encourage you to start studying the book of Acts from chapter 1, verse 1, and study the examples of conversion that are found in the book of Acts. You'll learn what to do. This, it's not too late right now, but it's too late after death for a person to turn to God. And we, we can let his word drift, and we can drift away or let it slip. Now is the time to obey. Because somebody says, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I, 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 I'll tell you, I just need a little bit more time. Who said you would have more time? Well, you say, well, uh, I, I'll tell you what, Brother Lambert, I, I would become a Christian, but I know somebody that is a member of the Church of Christ, and they're nothing more than a hypocrite. And, and I've had people say there are a lot of hypocrites in the church. I deny that. I deny there are a lot. I'm not, I think we have people in the church who, like yourself, have weaknesses. We all have them. And we're not perfect people. We're striving for perfection. And we can stay clean in, per, in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ if we walk in the light. But we have people that are struggling to live the Christian life. But they're striving, and, and, but they're not perfect. But I deny there are a lot of hypocrites. That, that's no excuse. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I, I'm just not sure I could hold out and live in the Christian life. Well, if, if you can hold out against the Lord, why can't you hold out for the Lord? What you, you're holding out for Satan now, hold out for the Lord. Hold out for him. Stand fast, stand firm, be steadfast, unmovable, and always be abounding in the work of the Lord. You see, that's no excuse. Now, it's going to be too late to turn to God once you die. And here's another lesson that we learn from this story, that our destiny is determined by the decisions that we make. You see, decision-making is such a powerful thing. You've been made a creature of choice, and you can decide whether you'll do certain things or not do certain things. You can decide whether you're going to 
to get up and go to work tomorrow, the next day, or the next day, or you can decide that you're going to let somebody else support you and you can just stay at home. You can decide whether you're going to love God or not love God. You can decide whether you're going to believe in God or not believe in God. You can decide whether you're going to believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus. You can decide whether you're going to repent of your sins and not repent of your sins. You can decide whether you're going to be baptized or not be baptized because God made you a creature of choice. The time to make a decision is now, to make a decision to serve God with all of your heart. It's going to be too late once you die to make a decision. That, that will be over. And we will then reap the harvest of the choices and decisions that we have made now. Choose you this day whom you will serve, Joshua 24, 15. And I would urge you with all the love that I have in my heart to choose Jesus, to serve Jesus with all of your heart and with all of your soul. If you believe in Him and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess faith in Him, may I urge you to be baptized into Christ as soon as you possibly can. The Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's found in the second chapter of Acts and verse 38. And Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's a very simple passage of Scripture. There are some people who would tell you that it ought not to even be in the Bible. And I rather suspect the reason they make that argument is because they don't believe it. They don't believe that he that believes and the he that is baptized is the he that is saved. It makes belief in Jesus and baptism essential to one's being saved. Have you ever done that? Why not? Why don't you have some servant of God immerse you into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and your sins will be washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Now in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Also, right now, pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. If you prefer, you can take the course online. Many, many are doing that. But we want you to study the Bible. The title of this program is Getting to Know Your Bible. We emphasize the Word of God because by it we shall be judged one day, John 12 and verse 48. I love you. I want to see you go to heaven one day, and I want to urge you to study the Bible. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible@golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Thank you.